Welcome to Community Sense, where Carly and Mark talk with the world's best community leaders to get inspired and to learn the strategies for building a thriving community. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Oh, I'm well. What's going on with you today? You know, not too much. I'm excited for our our conversation today with Colin Campbell. I think he has some pretty great insights that I'm I'm excited to dive in with you and and recap some of the things that we've talked about. Yes, a very different type of community setup they have at Outreach and Sales Hacker, two separate brands. But as he unpacks it in the conversation, to your point, definitely creating some, I'm going to use the classic buzzword, synergy synergy between the two. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Probably our most unique conversation we've had or a unique community setup of any person we've talked with in their org. So for those of you who don't know Colin Campbell, he is the head of community at Outreach and he runs Sales Hacker. So Colin was originally part of the Sales Hacker team and Sales Hacker was acquired by Outreach three years ago. So Sales Hacker used to be a standalone community, focus on the sales persona, as you would imagine with the name, and then Outreach acquired Sales Hacker. And so Colin is now head of community at Outreach, but is still very much involved with the Sales Hacker brand. And as you'll find out today is constantly thinking about how to incorporate or integrate sales hacker and outreach. So before we get into the conversation, we got to first start with some common sense. And I think we're pretty excited to riff on this one. It's a big topic. It's also one of those just so obvious, can't believe you missed it sort of thing. So Mark, what is it? What's our common sense for today? You have to build the community with people, not for people. Mm -hmm. It's like, duh, you have to build it with others. You can't just do it for them and do it on your own. But to me, because having lived through this at HubSpot and now at Drift, it can be something that you quickly kind of forget because you might be so consumed with saying, I have to do this because someone's telling me I need to do it from a business standpoint. I need to get to this number. I become biased, if you will, in my endeavor of creating a meaningful place or just a meaningful dialogue for people to want to have because I'm trying to optimize for something else. And then you start to think about, well, what are we really doing this for instead of why are we doing it with these other people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a theme we've talked about in some other conversations with other community leaders, which is this idea that you need to build with someone. And you also need to know who that person that you want to build with is, right? Like you need to define who belongs within our community, right? Like who are we building this for and have that shared definition so that collectively everyone you're collaborating with understands who you're building your community alongside, right? So who are you building it with? And I think that's an interesting piece that we kind of get into today is like, What happens when you have audiences that don't naturally or at first glance might not quite overlap in the way that you would want them to? And how do you build with them in that way? And Colin goes into this idea of like, well, they created this overlapping persona called revenue innovators. And that's how they've kind of adjusted their strategy to now build with revenue innovators 
for revenue innovators. So yeah, some really interesting things there. And then the only other thing I would just add to that is, yeah, you should focus on building with someone, not for them, but you also can't build a community for yourself or for your Mm. business, right? Mm -hmm. Like this can't be some sort of self-serving endeavor. We've talked about in the past, like this is a long-term play you're building community to provide value. And if you're expecting to get something out of it, that's not the point. And so I think in thinking about this idea of building with people, you also, it's a good reminder, like, yeah, no, you're building with them. You're building with the value that you want to deliver for them in mind. And you're not building for yourself. It has to be like a core foundational kind of part of the makeup or the North Star of your organization. 100% at HubSpot. It started with us having a relentless focus on we're building something hopefully special with our customers to help our customers become more educated and be better at using HubSpot and the concept of inbound marketing to ultimately grow their business. And those customers who are doing that well and are excited about it help other customers as well. Right. So it just it is about customers. And it was about that focus. And then eventually we started to realize this is so powerful that we should broaden this to everyone. Everyone who wants to just be better at marketing and selling using this inbound philosophy and approach, we can really create this massively successful movement of people with their help. We are just going to help enable this movement to grow by opening it up and widening the definition. And Colin talks a bit about that during this Mm -hmm. conversation around how he's Mm -hmm. found this center between outreach and sales hacker and how those two brands and organizations now can grow with this new identity for their community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some really interesting stuff we get into today. Big thank you to Colin. I think he was super open and transparent about the successes of sales hacker and outreach and then some of the challenges they faced over the last couple of years. So lots of great insights. And I'd say, let's just dive into it. Let's go. Well, Colin, thanks so much for joining us today. We're so excited to connect. I know I was just saying, I remember when sales hacker got acquired by outreach And I can't believe it's been three years ago. That's wild. But what a journey you've been on. And we're so excited to dive into that today. But before we do, would love to start with learning a little bit more about outreach and the connection to Sales Hacker, because I think that will be helpful for our listeners, especially for those who aren't familiar with the two brands and how they're interconnected. So yeah, just give us a bit of background. Like who is Outreach? Who is Sales Hacker? How are they connected? And what are you selling? And who are you serving? Yeah. So Outreach is a software company, sells software to salespeople, sales managers, sales leaders, mostly in the B2B space, and basically just helps them do their jobs with more predictability, more efficiency, and you know deliver more growth. So there's a suite of pretty cool software tools in there for them. The reason Sales Hacker and Outreach partnered up via an acquisition in 2018 is, I mean, really like sales is the last bastion of old schoolness in a go-to-market motion. Like marketers have all kinds of tech, sales ops, marketing ops people are doing some advanced stuff, but sales motions themselves, they still talk about hustle culture and being a smooth talker and there's an art to sales. And before someone's ready to invest in a solution like Outreach offers, they need to believe that sales is ready to change or that sales already has changed and they need to adjust. And so sales hackers job is really to be that rising tide. 
to like help people start to adopt a more modern mindset and philosophy when it comes to how you should build customer prospect relationships and also help people understand in general what technology exists and what's out there to help them make those changes. It's interesting, Colin. It seems to me, kind of just jumping right into this conversation, it seems to me that as part of your community building efforts and growth, there's a lot of education you're trying to do to help people understand how to do modern selling. Yeah, I think that's really probably the keyword. I could have just said education. <laughs> yeah, that's really what we're all about. There's a lot of things we educate people on that have nothing to do with outreach, but that's okay. At least nothing to do with the products necessarily, but we just want our future users and maybe even future prospects just to be like, to be ready and understand what we're all about. I want to just double click on that really quick too, because unpack a little bit about the sales hacker to outreach acquisition. Cause like describe to us like sales hackers, I guess, audience, I'm assuming it's sales or it's sales or I get it, but like what compelled outreach to partner up and acquire sales hacker and ultimately like just unpack for the audience, like how is sales hacker monetizing that business? And then how has that changed maybe a little bit? I think this is going to help us unpack it a little bit more. Yeah. How you define community. Yeah. The money questions. Those are good questions. So <laughs> Manny is one of the founders of outreach and Max is the founder of sales hacker and they had known each other for a really long time. I think Max was actually an angel investor in outreach in the very early days. And as Max grew Sales Hacker, of course, he was still in touch with Manny. And they eventually said, you know what? We both feel like we're going to change the sales industry. We both feel like in general, we share a vision for like how we want it to change. Let's team up. And I think there was just like a general faith that the missions were aligned enough and that the audiences were aligned. Like Sales Hacker's audience or membership is composed of growth mindset, change agents, people who are early adopters, usually pushing for the next best practice, don't like the old repeated sales advice that you hear over and over. That's from people who sold Xerox machines in the 80s. And I think that reflects a lot of outreach's customer base too, at least especially in those early days. So there was just like a lot of good mojo between the two. And to your question about like monetization, the reason it made sense to make it an acquisition is sales hacker pays for itself. So unlike most community pros who have like a battle for budget every year, or maybe just always, sales hacker takes sponsorship from all kinds of organizations who also share our mission. So there's a lot of sales tech companies, but trainers and consultants too. And we use that money to fund the sales hacker team and deliver awesome experiences and content for our members. So that's the way we've, we've kind of made it work. Does that answer your question there? I feel like there was another question in there, Mark, that I'm not getting to. No, no, no. That was good to start with. That's perfect. We're, cool. we're starting to unpack how outreach, but with sales hacker, defines community, community and how it thinks mm -hmm. about it. Because it sounds like you almost have this model. Well, number one, it's 100% untraditional community model for a B2B type business, if you will. Meaning, yeah, because we haven't based it on our platform or our product. Like it's not a user community. Is that what you're referring to? That's one of it. That's one of it. But also, it's based off of growth through offsetting costs, right? So you're growing in two ways. You're growing through how you can be a better steward to your strategic partners of the community who have communities 
of their own, right? Like those partners have their own community and that's going to pull people into sales hacker. So that's interesting. We should unpack. And then you also are able to self-fund your growth through the revenue that those strategic partners give you to then help you just go out and find more members by probably doing, I want to unpack like where you invest your money, like how much investing goes into the existing members versus finding new members. Right? We should talk about all that. But yeah, like, I think, you know, Carly, like interrupt me, but this is like a super interesting way to look at a community from like a just like PL standpoint, right? Like, mm-hmm. like when, you, when you're thinking about, like, yeah, like how do you grow it and how do you fund it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting. And the other thing I'd love to dive into as well is this idea of, I see the flow of sales hacker community members and introducing them to outreach, but I'd be really curious to explore the flow of outreach customers or community members who maybe weren't familiar with sales hacker and how you've blowed them or integrated them into sales hacker. And what I see is like, you have this really interesting flywheel of how sales hacker influences outreach and outreach can influence sales hacker. And I think that is something we haven't talked about yet. I think this is kind of a rarity, right? In the B2B space. So I'm feeling like we might go a little, a little off here in, in some ways we weren't expecting to, but just because it is so unique and there's a lot of interesting things for us to explore. Yeah, I'm always game for the unexpected. <laughs> and, and you're right that it is interesting. Like I'm in the C-School program through Community Club right now. And a bunch of my peers in the cohort have expressed that they're a little jealous of my org chart and my budget. And obviously I have that because we put a lot of effort and like we earn it, right? We put a lot of effort into delivering for our partners so that they get value. And it is nice. If in the middle of the year, I decide I need another headcount, I could invent, just come up with a sponsorship opportunity, make the budget and make the hire without having a fight with finance. But there is a flip side to this. And the flip side is some of the things you're touching on is like, how do we think about outreach prospects and customers joining Sales Hacker? Well, because Sales Hacker is sort of a neutral ground, like it's product agnostic, it doesn't serve some of the needs of our customers. And because of that, our sales teams, our success teams aren't quite as apt to recommend Sales Hacker to their customers at least they don't do it quite as often. Like it comes up in almost every customer relationship at one point or another, like, Hey, check out sales hacker. It's full of best practices. And you know, a lot of people like you, but we don't have, for instance, people asking about how to adjust their like user permissioning, all of those product specific Q and a things that someone might look to a community for help on. We don't have that yet on sales hacker. Mm-hmm. I will also say that over the past three years, we have gotten more solid in this way. We've been on a journey, hell of a journey. There were times where in conversations with outreach leadership, we thought, oh, sales hacker can be like the tip of the spear into the enterprise, or it can be the tip of the spear into international markets for us. Or maybe it's a way that we can start to grow a RevOps audience so that our eventual admins love us and understand us. And it was just a lot. There have been a lot of fits and starts on understanding the audience overlap. And just recently, I think we've settled on something that makes a lot of sense to us. We hired Mary Shea from Forrester. Now she's a chief evangelist for us. And her her job is really just to do research about the trends. Like she's doing what she was doing at Forrester, just at Outreach. And sounds ironic, but with less oversight than she had at Forrester. And so she's come up with this concept of the revenue innovator. She did a bunch of research, like what sets modern sales orgs apart and found these personas, a rep and a manager and a leader and behaviors and characteristics and skills that they have and defined personas that aren't based on 
demographic or job title or geo. They're like behavioral profiles. And so that's what we're starting to see is like, oh, this is the thing that ties outreach and sales hacker together. We finally have words for it. It's like, if you're a revenue innovator and you want to be with others, that's what sales hacker is for. All of our customers are kind of by default <laughs> revenue innovators because they're adopting new sales tech when they buy into outreach. And you know, if you want to become a revenue innovator and just learn what it's like, then sales hacker is the place for you. And so now we have like a set of vocabulary to describe the overlap that's been helpful for us. Yeah, the image I have in my mind, right, is a Venn diagram. So you have the outreach community in one circle, you have the sales hacker community in this other circle, and that overlap are these revenue innovators. And so I'm curious with knowing like that's that overlap, right? That's that sweet spot where you and outreach and the two brands can successfully collaborate and kind of target the same people and know that the audience is really the same. Like, what are things you're thinking about now for targeting those revenue innovators? It knocked some big things loose for us. Sales Hacker historically has grown mostly through organic search rankings. Like we get a lot of traffic. Some portion of that traffic becomes a subscriber, becomes a member, starts a conversation. Like that's been a flywheel that's working for us well right now. The concept of the revenue innovators has helped us understand that Sales Hacker actually is a customer community. Like we weren't using that word to describe it for a long time. We were thinking Sales Hacker is like a, it's helpful. It's really cool. We're glad we own it, but is it for our customers? And we finally got, you know, realized our customers actually don't think about outreach like 98% of the time. <laughs> so they're thinking about how to create content and how to hire a new STR manager and things like that. And that's really what Sales Hawker is all about. Now that we have that vocab for revenue innovators, we're starting to do a much better job of when we talk about attracting members, we're starting to do a better job of proactively inviting our own staff and our customers and prospects into the community and viewing it as like, a, this is a place for our customers. Even if we're not talking about outreach, actually, maybe especially because we're not talking about outreach, it's a great place for our customers. So I looked at your LinkedIn profile and you have that as the banner, which is pretty cool. You define it. A new cohort of revenue leaders who put buyers at the center of their strategies, who arm their sellers with the most innovative sales technologies and you over-index on data rather than intuition to inform their business decisions. So it's really like defined well, number one. To me, it's really starting to form this more connected sense of belonging to, look, I want to join this overall community between outreach and sales hacker. And I might not be a revenue in innovator yet, but I aspire to be one. And so that's one of the big reasons why I want to join. Potentially, right? Is that kind of what you're also thinking through? Yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head there. Half of it, the things that I've been obsessed with in the last six months since this revenue innovator concept popped up, half of it is sense of belonging. Sales Hacker has been like a choose your own adventure for a long time, right? Anybody that can find it can be interested and join and they can think about themselves anyway. We are not saying, here's how you can identify if you're a sales hacker person or not. Mm -hmm. Now that we have that definition, right? It's easy for people to look at sales hacker and go, I belong here or I don't. So that's nice. That, and that helps sense of belonging. But we've also been thinking about journeys, member journeys. We've gotten feedback. I got promoted because I spent this much time consuming sales hacker content and talking to other members. And we've gotten that for years. Like that's why we wake up in the morning. But now that we have this concept of revenue innovators, we can, rather than hoping people stumble upon a path to success for themselves, we can say like, look, here's a great end result for you. You're probably at point A or somewhere between point A and point B right now. 
Point B is like you're a full-fledged revenue innovator in your role. And we can offer learning tracks and content tracks and events and things to help get them there, which that's something I think I'm most excited about because it's the thing that's kept me up at night for three years. (laughs) It's like, where are we taking people in the community? Mm. I think now we have the answer. Thanks, Mary Shea. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So now that you have a better sense of the connective tissue between these two, I'm just going to say brands, the brands that have then spurred these larger communities. And now you have a stronger sense of belonging and purpose, if you will. How are you defining shared success as you go about growing the number of revenue innovators and the impact that they have within their organizations, but then also the impact that they might have within the community? How do you think about that measurement? We're definitely at an inflection point right now. The answer is I don't think we've actually figured that out, to be honest. We're doing OKR exercises in the next three weeks or so. So I'd better figure it out. I have some guesses. You know, I think it's probably things like category awareness. Like, do people know that our tech category exists? Better yet, can they describe it? And we would measure that through polling and things. But probably also, you know, I don't know how we assign a metric to this, but I like the idea of saying, we measure our success by our ability to mint new revenue innovators. Like, is there a way we can confirm that people are picking up new behaviors and skills and say like, yep, that's because of sales hacker. And now those people are better suited to serve their organization. And we just know that when people pick up those skills, that they're going to start shopping and that when they shop, they'll consider outreach. And also that when our customers pick up their skills, they'll be more successful with outreach. So we don't feel like we have to like, step into, at least not yet, hard customer lifecycle metrics like adoption or things like that. And we want to keep trying to be the rising tide, but just make it clear how that tide affects outreach. Two questions. So going back a step, how have you measured it up until this point? Yeah, first start there. Yeah. So leads is one. We do treat outreach just like any other partner, except obviously they don't write us a check to help us sponsor events. So there is some pipeline generation going on through the sales hacker community. We've always been super transparent about that. And it's not a pushy sell at all. We don't allow pitching in our content. That's never been like the primary value. We've measured sales hacker impact to now is just growth. Like how much traffic is the site getting? How many members are we getting? Are they active? And we've kind of always known in the back of our mind that we have to take that one step further and find some business value at some point. But Again, the fact that we pay for ourselves did take off some of that pressure and gave us the time to like find our community soul in an organic way without pushing for a business metric prematurely. And then skill sets. My second question was on skill sets. So what are some of those skill sets that you want to transfer oh, to others? Yeah. For revenue innovators? Yeah. yeah revenue innovators. I think the, the best example, so a lot of it is being partially done by other sales trainers, right? So if you're taking like a modern sales training course, i.e. not one of the ones designed in the 70s, then a lot of that is what we also need to teach at Sales Hacker. But that's not everything. I think a great example is change management. It's not something that many sales managers or leaders or even RevOps professionals study, but is a huge part of the job now because rolling out like a sales tech solution to hundreds, potentially thousands of sellers that changes the way they do their day-to-day jobs is really hard. especially because sellers are so like risk averse. So change management's a great example, leading with empathy. Like there are things that we know are important for B2B sellers that haven't been taught as like a cohesive, like this is what makes you a revenue innovator. 
we've done research. We have data to back it up. These are the six attributes or skills that make a difference. And so here's how you learn them and use them together. So change management, leading with empathy, just being a predictable seller. That's the kind of training you get from any other sales training, any other good sales training, things like that. So this is super interesting. This idea of revenue innovators being the persona that's going to tie together sales hacker and outreach a bit tighter than maybe they were before. So in thinking about building up your community of revenue innovators and taking that flywheel from sales hacker to outreach and outreach back to sales hacker, who's on the sales hacker team that's supporting the efforts you're doing there for driving revenue innovators, but then who at outreach are you collaborating with on a regular basis to support the growth and that revenue innovator initiative? Yeah, it is super cross-functional and it's becoming much more so. Without describing like the whole org chart, the sales hacker team has a content team, a community engagement team, a partnerships team that work with our partners to deliver content, and an engineering team. We so far have operated pretty independently. We have our own separate content engine. But what we started to notice as we reframe things around the revenue innovators concept is that the content that our product marketing teams, our demand gen teams create is really similar to what the content teams on the community org create. And also really similar to what our customer success orgs create for their customers. So part of the change initiative that I'm working on is now that we have this concept, how do we operationalize around it? And I think those teams like success, professional services, you know, how we make our customers good at using outreach, but also just good at sales. And the way we communicate to prospects about the value of outreach, tying those into what we talk about in the community without making it all about outreach or like a sales pitch. But there's always going to be a huge amount of overlap in the way that we talk about best practices between those three orgs. Yeah, I have a a lot of thoughts on this. We specifically designed our organization at Drift to include, I just call it the fuel to the things that the engine needs to further the growth of the brand and revenue. And the fuel is content, community, creative, events, customer education, training, right? Slash training. All of that is best done. And some of this comes from experience that I had at HubSpot. Is best done if it could be more centralized yet. So centralized from a team organization standpoint, how you organize the teams, but then using a decentralized approach to actually create all that, which you can maybe unpack later. But what you're saying is there's redundancy, which probably is creating inconsistency in Mm -hmm. some things, or there's just like a lack of efficiency happening. And then others, not just in the business, but others will notice that and everything. So like Drift, for example, all of those functions that I just mentioned actually report in through me And we've tried to really unify all of it together as best we can. Still a lot of work to be done, but that's just the intentionality I think you need to have these days if you really want to pull off what you're describing, Colin. Can't wait to share this recording with my boss. (laughs) Because I agree with that. Right now we're solving it with Tiger teams and it will be more effective than what we've done in the past. But I agree, like there's no reason for it to be separate teams, ultimately. If you're doing community right, The content that you publish should come from, at least somewhat, come from, and then be distributed back out through the community in addition to other channels. But that's what we've been missing so far is how can the community be an input to 
the content that we give our customers and prospects. So we're working on stitching that all together. And I say the community, and again, this includes people at Outreach and Sales Hacker that aren't part of that direct team. Those teams we just described, the community should be 70 to 80% of your content, meaning those people are just there to facilitate, act as a, a conduit, a broker to get that wisdom, that experience, that knowledge from those people in the community, package it in a way that then others can use to learn from and create something with, right? Like, I th- and I think that's what you're saying at the end of the day. 100% agree. Did I hear you say though, that you also have your customer education or, and or training teams? rolling up through community? It is. It is because all customer education and training is, is content packaged in a way to help someone get to an outcome. And it's also community, aka live training, group sessions, community things packaged in a way to also help people get to an outcome. So yeah, it's definitely all kind of related. I think we're starting to see that show in like the front end of communities, right? Like it used to be that when you had a site, if you had a community at all, there was like a button in the footer or buried in a menu somewhere and you'd click it and it was like a forum that had a separate brand and like was totally separate from everything else. And now when you see, look at some of these more advanced communities and people who are using really nice community platforms, you click community. First of all, it's usually in the main nav. You click community and it's got knowledge base, support, customer education, forums, content, federated search. So it's all really just like, this is breaking down the silos on the front end too, which I certainly as a user and a customer appreciate. Like it's just much nicer to have one place to go. I don't think about all that stuff separately. It's only been companies and like internal teams that have been thinking about those efforts separately. Bingo. I think it's, is it Peter Drucker? Do you know Carly or Colin that said like the way you design your teams will design and dictate the customer experience? It might be Peter Drucker. It's someone famous like that. I haven't heard that one, but I like that. And I love Drucker. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to chew on that one for a while. Let me ask you this, Mark. So right now, right, we have separate teams for all of these things at Outreach. How did you go about helping your leadership understand that there should be like that piece, that Drucker quote, right? It's a good question. So I definitely had a leg up because when I was going through the process of talking to David, our CEO, DC, to join Drift, he and I know have known each other for a long time. So again, this is I have a leg up. We talked about the intentionality in which we need to design the marketing team for future success and growth and how that plays mm-hmm. into our brand and efficiency and all of these things. So it started with the top, right? The CEO. So I know that's in a very fortunate position. If I had to do it again. I think it has to be though at like some C-level person, you have to make sure that they first understand why this can help the business and how this can help the business. And they have to believe it too. You can throw as many facts and numbers and stats you want at them. At the end of the day, I think this is a philosophical to your point approach that is fundamentally different than the common way to go as it relates to growing your marketing team or growing your brand. So the answer sucks that I'm giving you because (laughs) there isn't a black and white way to do it. I honestly think it takes a lot of soul searching and a belief that community is is something different to your point than just like, oh, it's a community forum or it's our product community. No, it's like the brand basically. Yeah, I agree. 
And I also think, I think I should add for anybody listening to this or watching this, if you don't have a C-suite that just inherently shares that philosophy with you, you can still make a big impact and you Believe can take it. steps towards that nirvana state, but almost nothing in business is perfect. So if, don't bail out just because that's you. I mean, I was going to say something really quick on that, Colin, because like yeah. that's, I mean, we went the other way at HubSpot. We went oh, really? ground up. We built, you know, oh, right. the HubSpot Community Academy through the approach you just said. It took a little bit longer, but at the end of the day, it still created a very similar outcome. So no, 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 do not get discouraged. It's just a matter of then what you need to do in the business. Let me give some more strategic advice. You need to create a faction of people, a team of people within your business that believe in what you're talking about, right? And like lead them in this direction together to say, hey, everyone, this is something that's really having positive business outcomes. It's impacting our customers. It's doing all these amazing things. Let's keep investing in it. Let's make this something bigger and bigger and and more important. And over time, change will happen. You just got to have to go a little bit more ground up to your point. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think the, to me, when I think about outreach, like you said, Colin, prior to this idea of revenue innovators, Sales Hacker wasn't a fit for all of your customers. And you've now found that kind of middle ground. And to me, I'm thinking about the work you're doing the things I'd be bringing back to my team are like, what are the wins, right? Like you said, at Sales Hacker, you've heard the impact you've had on people who have read Sales Hacker's content or been to events and how they've been able to level up their careers. I think those are the stories of revenue innovators that you can then take back to the outreach team and be like, look at this, right? Like, look at the impact we're having on these revenue innovators and build out that vision of how that can impact you long-term. I think that's a really powerful way to enable your team internally. Yeah. And we've done some of that. I will say, I think that's an area for development for me is to just get better at consistently doing that like internal marketing stuff. But I also can say like, there have been cases in the past where I've shared those success stories, right? It's like, look to our customer success team, check out this sales hacker member who was like a brand new SDR two years ago, consumed our content religiously, and now they're leading a team and had success org folks go, so what? That doesn't have anything to do with outreach. So there is like a level of readiness for this. Not every org is just going to be ready to step into community world and be all in on it. But it's not their fault. I don't think. I think it's my responsibility to like bring us all there. Do you think that this revenue innovator concept and persona will help achieve that, right? And having that middle ground between the two communities, right? The outreach community and your customers and then sales hacker that that persona might help get more buy-in. Yeah, I think it's everything. I think words matter. And we were talking about outreach and outreach prospects and customers as one body of people and sales hacker as another body of people. When in reality, that's just not the truth. And now that we have a word like a vocabulary and data and research and like a nuanced understanding of that person's behavior profile to define the overlap, I think it makes it a whole lot easier for everybody to see their way to understanding how community actually helps outreach. Words matter. And it took us three years to find that. (laughs) Could I have found it earlier? Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, it was worth the journey. Yeah, I was just going to say all a part of the journey. And I think that journey has hopefully now led you to having a good definition of who that persona is. And now your two brands can collaborate on how to best serve that persona, right? Whether it's through content or training or whatever enablement it is, you've come to that definition. And now it's like, okay, how do we collectively serve this person? And what does that look like? 
that's ultimately what community is about, right? Is defining who you want to serve and the value you want to bring to that person and then executing on it and getting buy-in from everyone to see the value and see the impact. Couldn't have said it better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Well, Mark, we have taken some serious turns from how you typically go about these conversations, but this has just been so incredibly interesting. And I think it's just a really unique environment or situation that you're in, Colin. And obviously I know Sales Hacker, when I was at Aircall, we were a sponsor of Sales Hacker. And I remember, you know, how valuable that community was. And to see the journey you've taken to kind of integrate Sales Hacker into outreach and find that middle ground has been incredibly interesting. So yeah, thank you for joining us today, for talking through all of this. I don't know, Mark, did you have any other questions for Colin? One thing that I want to try to pull out of you, Colin, is one of, if not the biggest misconception that you had when it came to connecting a bond between sales hacker and outreach? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think it comes down to the fact that you can't build a community for someone. You have to build it with them. And what we tried to do a couple of times over the last three years as we were kind of figuring this all out is sort of top down from an outreach perspective, say, this is what this community can do for you. And this is what we want it to do for us without doing enough of the work to like figure out where we meet in the middle with the community members or prospective community members. And so that led to us doing like weird operational things like, oh, maybe there's an ABM play, which obviously is pretty us centric. Or maybe we can expand our audiences, like I talked about earlier. It's, again, pretty us-centric. And it doesn't lead to more value for our existing members. The beautiful thing about that revenue innovators concept is that it comes from surveys and conversations and research with people in the community. So we know that it's something that they can identify as, want to identify as. And we also know that a lot of them feel like they're kind of black sheep or on an island in an organization, and they want and need to connect to other people like them. So we started community first when we developed that persona. And then we taught ourselves how to see the value in it for the organization, which I could have told you that. (laughs) I could have described the fact that you can't build a community for someone. You have to build it with them three years ago going into this whole process, but for some reason still made the mistake. So maybe I just had to learn the hard way. Great way to end it. Thank you so much, Colin. We got to put that great quote on some pretty cool graphics and imagery for you and put your name next to it. Be a long one, but you could make it a neon sign. That'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) You could, you could. Got to build a community with and not for people. You actually said it way better than I just said it. So we'll, we'll capture that snippet and we'll put you front and center with that thought because it's it's a great thought and it's 100% accurate. So thank you again for your time. I appreciate you both. Yeah, that was fun. And stay in touch. I'll see you around. Thank you so much, Colin. Really appreciate it. Wow. Okay. So we went through a lot with Colin. We typically try and keep that to 20 minutes. I have to imagine we went way over, (laughs) but that is okay because we just had a really incredible conversation and I feel like we were able to take a look under the hood of Sales Hacker and Outreach and this partnership and, and this acquisition and how they've incorporated their different communities and the journey that they've been on and kind of the path forward for them. So such great insights. But Mark, 
what is your spark from our conversation today with Colin? Sometimes you got to go deep to find a new spark for your community. And what Colin said was he partnered up with someone who now is part of the outreach team, I believe, Mary. And she did this exhaustive study on what is going on with really modern day salespeople and sales professionals and leaders, meaning what are the differences it makes someone who really grows revenue at a business and grows it in a faster or more efficient way, so a more modern way, and what are the characteristics of those people? So they went deep into all this like research and found all of these different commonalities that then helped them lead to this understanding of, wait a minute, those are ultimately the people that a lot of our members and customers and sales hacker and outreach are trying to become. Mm-hmm. This revenue innovator. They're trying to ultimately get to this pinnacle of understanding and mastery. So let's help them get to the top of the mountain. Let's help them do that. And let's make sure we also identify people in our community already that have probably reached or are very close to reaching that mastery. So they could then pull people up the mountain, help them in that journey. And then what's so interesting about that, Carly, I think is you can then use all that insight and that content that comes from doing that type of introspection and and research as a way to understand, well, what are some of the journeys you should try to guide people through your community and conversations you should try to start and have from a content, education, skill set, et cetera, standpoint. So to me, sometimes you got to really go deep, take a step back, give it the time it needs to find that new identity, if you will, of the community. And then you got to do something with that, which I believe is going to lead to what you're going to share when it comes to your spark. Yeah. I mean, so... Absolutely. That whole concept, yeah, of of redefining that community identity, right? Of who you want to best serve, right? Whether that's someone who currently is a revenue innovator or someone who's aspiring to be a revenue innovator. I think a big takeaway for me from this, specifically as it relates to revenue innovators and the experience that Colin has had at Outreach and Sales Hacker is once you have that definition, not only do you need to strategize for how to best serve that persona or those revenue innovators, but you also need to take that identity and share that identity internally with your teams and enable your teams to understand who this person is, why they matter, how we best serve them and the impact that we can have on that person. And ultimately the impact that us serving revenue innovators could have on ourselves, right? Like, so me and customer success What's the impact that our revenue innovator community and and creating solid journeys and impacting those folks, how will that benefit me? And I think that idea of enabling your team to understand why we're doing what we're doing, how we're serving people, why it matters to both our business, to the revenue innovators, and to yourself, the individual, I think that is really important to getting aligned on every level as an organization, as a community, to really be able to execute and to have the biggest impact possible within your community. Yep. You got to make sure people understand the full picture in the context because they first have to understand that. And then you hopefully get them to buy in a little bit and, and join up. But the most critical time to do that as part of the employee lifecycle 
is at the very beginning. So during your you know, one day, or hopefully it's multi-day or, or week-long onboarding process you might have at your company, talking about everything that Carly just mentioned is critically important. So that's the extra spark we'll give you is, mm-hmm. is make sure you do that upon you having a new person join the company so they really understand everything that we talked about in today's episode. Yeah, yeah. Have a vision for your community and sell that vision. And that's how we're going to get people bought in. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We're so happy to have you join us for another episode of Community Sense. We will be back soon. We have lots more great conversations to share. But in the meantime, if you enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed some of our other episodes, please leave us a review, five stars, if you really enjoyed it. And we will see you on the next episode of Community Sense. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Carly. Thanks. Bye, Mark. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Community Sense Podcast. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating or share the show with a friend. And don't forget to connect with us at communitysense.co.